Welcome to our Global Grads Present series starring Full Sail University international grads from all around the world. This podcast is produced by the International Student Society and allows alumni the opportunity to share their unique stories as they reconnect to give back to our current students and fellow alumni. I'm Sandy Fon Cannon, International Student Coordinator here at Full Sail University. Thanks for joining us. So our guest today is a stage performer at heart with three international tours. He has over 10 years of experience as a producer, A&R, and creative director. He provides advertising and entertainment localization, content translation, and UX services for projects in multiple countries. As a DJ, music composer, and sound designer, he communicates complex ideas in powerful, simple, and catchy ways. His credits include Positivo SA, Yahoo Sports USA, Vivo, Tiffany Company, Audiovo Productions, New York City, Rolling Stone Brazil, and Opus Multipla. He can always be counted on to make things work. So, boys and girls, please join me in welcoming Cesar Munoz. How's it going today? Hi, Sandy. Hi, everyone that's around. Um, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm glad to, to be here uh, and be of help to you guys and to whoever is watching us and uh, needs information to make decisions, right? Which is an easy thing to do when you're talking about entertainment business, right? Super easy. Well, yeah. So um, it wasn't, well, maybe it was an easy decision for you, but I know that you came here for your master's degree. So you had done already an undergrad and then a bit more education even for many years before you decided to come to Full Sail for a master's degree. So tell us about kind of that process between your undergrad and when you decided on a master's and what kind of got you to that point. Cool. Yeah, when I was saying it was easy, I'm being, I was... I was meaning meaning it, it's not easy, right? But the thing is, um, yeah, making decisions, right? So, uh, yeah, how I got to Fall Sale. So I think it was around 2011. I had been working with music for a while as a as a music composer and producer, and uh, at the time I wanted to look for a course uh that could uh take me further right, industry wise and um my experience at the time was prioritarily with music uh but i also had uh one foot in performance art i was also uh, writing and i was also uh starting to get acquainted to uh stage performance um, but at the time, my, my focus was music, and then I started researching for uh, for courses, and um, I really value uh, the academic world, uh, world, the scholar world, uh, because I like method, like uh, right, and I also I was also looking for a course that could actually give me an academic certificate, right, um, and then I found Full Sail. 
And the first thing that I found out about Full Sail was the recording arts course. Uh, and then I, that was interesting, but at, the, but at the same time, I found out that there was an entertainment business uh, area at Full Sail, uh, and that was focused on the business side of things, right? Um, so I, I had already graduated in journalism and advertising at the time. And so I knew that there was a graduate course and there was a master's course. And that's that hit the spot, right? Uh, because from the start, I noticed that I wanted to do multiple things. And I wanted to be the creative director of my own projects. So I thought that's that's the course. I saw the I saw the subjects that were dealt with within the course. Uh, so that's how I got to full sale. Um, and then I started contacting the school. And at the time, I don't remember the the role of the person that I was talking to, but I, I believe it was an advisor. And um, and then the person guided me through the process, uh, getting the visa. So that's something that you uh, you take care of when you start actually uh, when you when you make that decision, right? My my English proficiency course, all of all of the things that I had to I had to arrange in order to to be eligible and to actually. Uh, go there and do the thing right that's pretty much it did I answer your question Sandy? you did absolutely had you spent much time in the United States prior to that yes uh I had um I had been to the United States multiple times for different reasons first as a tourist but also when I took when I took my first English proficient certificate uh, I spent a, a couple of months in New York City. And then in 2011, I did a tour as a performance uh, all over the country. So I, it, it, it was, I, it, that also made it easy for me to make the decision because I love the country and I knew about the culture. So I thought it, I, would be, I would feel at home. So you probably didn't have any real culture shock issues because you'd spent enough time here that you were comfortable already. Um, I did not. That certainly made things easier <laughs> for me. But uh, just like Brazil, the United States are like, they are not, they're not like a country. They're a country, right? So there are multiple countries inside the country. Um, I wasn't really used to Florida at the time. Um but there wasn't really a culture shock. No, I don't think so. And when you think of full sale, full sale is a microcosmos inside of, of, of Florida, right? Because it is an international it is international ground, if you think of the school, right? Because once you enter the campus, you, you just start talking to people from all over the world. So um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Did you um, do a lot of activities with the international team? Were there a lot of international students in your master's program? Uh, most of them, I believe, were from the United States, but we had a couple of international students there, yes. I remember having a classmate from Lithuania. 
which was interesting because it's a country that's completely different from mine. So it was good to to mingle with people from other places. Yeah, and but also I we had a lot of friends in the in the movie production course and also in the game courses. I had a lot of friends in the game art and the game development courses. And that's uh, that was actually my my people, right? I liked uh, being with uh, with them. You know, here at Full Sail, we preach networking quite a bit. It's kind of a buzzword here and in the industry itself. But we are constantly telling students that networking is important. It's something you need to be able to do. Honestly, it's really all about making friends and building relationships. How was mm -hmm. that experience for you here? Did do you feel like you made a lot of connections while you were a student? And are there any like students that you were in school with that you still stay in touch with today? Oh yes, it's 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 definitely all about networking. If you if you think of that, because when you are in, you are in the classroom, you are uh, right absorbing the content. But when you start actually networking, is when you have the chance to apply it, right? And networking not only with the students, but also with uh, people that are around the school. And as a as a, a student, I also had the chance of like networking with people from the industry, right? Um, so we have a lot of events uh, in which we are able to meet people uh, from the industry that visit the school because they are either looking for talent or because they are friends with people over full sale. Um, so that really. Uh, open doors and open my eyes for uh, for the different possibilities for what really is entertainment, right? What I could really do as a multiple, uh, multiple skilled artist. So that really helped me a lot, yes. Now, before you came to Full Sail, you had learned a lot about recording music, obviously performing music, as well as music composition, <clears throat> even a little bit of cinema. Did you have a clear path in mind when you came to Full Sail with what you wanted to do with this master's degree? Were you open to still kind of exploring a lot of different areas or were you focused on being a certain thing when you finished? Um, I had an idea which was to develop my path as an artist myself. So from the beginning, I didn't want to uh, enter the, in it was not like my goal, my main goal to enter the industry, to work with this or that star or this or that production company. I wanted to be able to navigate the industry. Um, and I don't come from a family or from a circle of friends that are in the industry, right? Um, I wanted to know how to enter the industry, the industry, how to navigate in the industry as an artist myself. So how to make my ideas happen, right? If I can put it in, in, into a few words, I wanted to know how to make my ideas happen. So for example, I have a show and I want to, to make the show happen. I want to connect all the pieces, the, the scenery, the, uh, 
selling the show, making the music work? How do I deal with technical aspects of it? How do I contact people? Uh, what is the language that we use, right? What is the lingo that we use? Um, how to navigate contracts, how to navigate finances. Uh, so that was my goal at the time, right? Of course, when you enter, when you start actually taking the course and you start talking to people, uh, my main concern was to navigate the thousand, the hundred thousand possibilities that are suddenly uh, thrown into your head. And it might be a bit difficult in, to be, in the beginning. It was a little bit difficult for me, certainly, to, to prioritize. Because uh, there are so many things that happen, right? For example, in the first month, um, and, and as, I, as I mentioned uh, before we started the recording today, Matthew, which is, who is present here, uh, he was talking about GPS, right? Which is something that the, the, the students here, the full sale students here, by attending this event, they are, they are uh, eligible to collect GPSs, which are points, right? Um, they are points that you collect in order to, they affect your grade, but it, they also affect your ability to have access to a, a couple of very exclusive events, right? So right from the beginning, my GPS, I, I, I made sure I had a good number of, of GPS points. And because of that, the course directors invited me for exclusive events with people from the industry, right? And then I, I got to know uh, agents uh, from Hollywood that visited the, the, the school, people that toured with Madonna, people that toured with this artist, people that did this and that and, and game and show and music and lighting and, and scenery. Um, and so it was like, you know, what do I do with all this information, you know? That was something that was a little bit difficult for me, but uh, but it was actually good because, and that's one of the things. One of the things that I like about the academic world is that it kind of messes you up in a way. You know, you are there to get new ideas, right? To collect new ideas, to to taste this thing and to taste other things and to see how uh, to see what 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 fancies you. You know. And so I, I really, I really got a taste of that. Uh, and of course, my view of what I wanted to do was transform that after fall sale. One thing that remained is that I wanted to be able to navigate in the industry uh, as an artist, as a producer. That's something that remained from the beginning and remains until today. Uh, but I also got a glimpse of other opportunities, like for example, by making friends with all the game people, which I love uh, to this day. And I have contact with, uh, with uh, all the people from the game uh, courses, uh, was that I was able to work in, uh, in game projects uh, while I was studying. So there was this company in Orlando, they were building a game 
and I got to work as a creative. How can I say? I don't even. I don't even think I had an, a role. I just. I. Uh, I was contacted by this company, by uh, by the career advisors, the Fosse career advisors. Uh, they they were the intermediate intermediate people between me and the the game the people from the game company, and they said we're looking for a person that can give us creative input. And say I'm I'm the person I'm here I want to do that right, and then the first conversation that I had with uh, Brad, who directed the company at the time, I said I want to be able to be here with you guys without having a specific role. I want to mess you guys up a little bit right. I want to observe what you do before I decide what I want to do, and I want to to kind of give you input, right? Maybe help you with the visual of this element of the game, or maybe help you with music, right? Provide music, because that's something I used to do before I entered full sale. So I, I wanted to, to use this opportunity to do that. And in, after like a couple of weeks, I realized that what I wanted to do and what something that they needed and that I could do was create a web series to to publicize the game, to make the game visible within the company, right? So I, I did like a, a series of short videos. They public, published it on their, their channel. And it were, I showed the, back, uh, the backstage of how, backstage of the, the production of the company. So it was cool, you know? And I traveled with Dan and I represented the company in events. We went to New York to to... To, to be part to take part in, in industry events so it, it was it was an opportunity in which um, I had the insight to to tell us guys I don't know what I want to do and do you are, do you have space for a person like that good we do and then we found out something uh, something to do with with all the craziness that was around and and then it work like that so it's really uh, great they were open to it they were open to letting you do what you do which is observe and then make recommendations so that's that's fantastic yeah that was really brave of them that (laughs) was really brave of them i think yeah because now you said this was after full sale or was this before you graduated this is while while i was taking the course okay it was an internship yeah got it got it okay Um, I feel like I interrupted you. You were about to say something about them letting you do that. No, I just wanted to mention how brave I think they were uh, to allow me to do that. Mm-hmm. Because when uh, one of the things that are probably the most important thing when you are working in an entertainment project is prioritizing. Right? There are so many factors. Like you are, uh, when you are working with entertainment, there is always a degree of of craziness that is that is putting to to the the mix of it, right? Because you're dealing with the 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 realm of art, and once you are touching in the realm of art, and I'm when I'm when I'm talking about art, I'm, about, I'm talking uh, both about um, the the most abstract side of art, but I'm also about what is the visual of the wheel of the, the, the truck that is in the game, 
you know that's all art and so you are you are stepping into into the the realm of dreams of and dreams. when you are stepping into the realm of dreams and trying to to make that happen inside of a project that in the end needs to make money for the people involved uh, you have to really have to to have your feet on the ground so i think it was it was really brave for them to to have a person like that that was just picking on them basically and trying to trying to make things work in a in a crazy way but I, i'm glad we found a way to to make that work for everybody Adolf is asking in the chat how long you'd been a student when you got that opportunity. So I'm assuming it was, if it was an internship, it was in that final three to four months or so. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I don't remember exactly how, how long it took me, but yeah, it, it was on the on the final months of it. Yeah. And that's what I thought. Okay. So obviously as an international student on an F-1 visa, when you're graduating, you then have an opportunity to sign up for um, optional practical training, OPT, which allows you to stay for another year in the States and work. So tell us about your OPT experience and how that went. Yeah, uh, the OPT was another amazing year because after full sale, I took a break to like a two month break just to go back to Brazil, visit my family and and uh, uh, reprioritize things. Um, but I, I already had the OPT in mind. I knew I was going to do it. And then I decided to go to New York. Um, and then uh, it didn't, I think it took me like three weeks or something like that to get an interview with a production company. And it was a, uh, uh, charity related production company um, and um, we in the company I was able to do like a wide variety of tasks from uh, contacting people in the industry inviting them to be present in, in events uh, I was able to actually to also actually take part in the production of the event, so visiting location, uh, measuring things, producing video content for events, um, uh, guest list. You know, so it was really it was really interesting because I I got to do just a lot of different things. One of the most amazing things that I was able to do as part of the production company is DJ at the United Nations headquarters in New York City during an event. So that was really, really cool. Um, not only because it was that, but also because DJing at the United Nations headquarters in New York City involves just a high standard of professionalism in all levels, right? Uh, from the dress code to security measures to what you can carry in your bag, uh, what is the amount of equipment that you are allowed to bring into the building, um, and so on, right? Um, so that was the first opportunity I got there. And then from that, I started working with... Um, 
an, uh, an organization called the Quentin Crisp Archives. Quentin Crisp is a British uh, thinker and artist. He um, uh, he uh, he. Uh, I think he was in his sixties. He uh, moved to New York City and he became famous as um, as a performer. Uh, and then there is this uh, this organization in New York City that keeps his personal belongings and takes care of his legacy. So uh, as a writer, as a performer, uh, his recordings, uh, his, uh, there were movies made about his life. Um, Sting recorded, a, a composed and recorded a song inspired by him. It's called Englishman in New York. Uh, so, you know, there's just a lot of stuff about this person that, that has already passed away and that needs to be well stored uh, and promoted so people remember about this person. So it was a, an amazing experience about how to, um, how to keep the legacy of a person alive, right? So for, for example, Prince has passed away. There is, there is um, and now we have Prince's estate, right? And, and it's, uh, there is a there is a company and there is a group of people that takes care of his state, his recordings, his uh, his manuscripts, his personal belongings. They organize exhibitions about it. So I got I had the amazing experience of doing that for Quentin Crisp, uh, which was great. So I, I got to do I got to organize events. I got to see the chair that he sat on while he was writing, you know. Um, there was something really inspiring. And that was life-changing because uh, as, uh, as I continue working as an artist, uh, I realized that um, it helped me establish priorities, you know. Uh, just to give an example, for example, uh, when we think of... Um, music artists, right? In 2023, uh, there are many possible paths for you to establish yourself as a music artist, as a recording artist uh, that involve, for example, promoting yourself in social media, um, creating memes and so on, right? And then you have to make this, you have a couple of crossroads in your career uh, that involve, for example, uh, do I want to take part in controversial subjects to promote my art or not? And then when I, when I think of that stuff, like do I want to do I, I, I want to make a post about my latest track related to this controversial subject that everybody's talking about or not? Is that something that's gonna, is that ethical? Is that something I want to be remembered for? So this experience with Quentin Crisp archives really reminded me of how important it is for me to take care of my legacy. Because after I die, I want to make sure that my work is documented, is well documented, that people can find the, the notation sheets for my music in libraries all over the world, you know? So 
that's something that really changed my view of career, right? So just for that, the OPT was life-changing. And then after the Quentin Crisp archives, I was able to, <clears throat> to work with movie production, movie and, and television production. Uh, so I spent uh, the last months of my OPT um, working with movie production. So I did, uh, again, I did Boom, I did uh, script supervising, and I did art direction. Those are the three things that I did uh, in movie sets in New York. Nice. Which That's was a good. Well-rounded group of things to learn to do. Yeah, it was it was just a kaleidoscope of of possibilities. And for example, when I was working with movie uh, movie sets, I realized one of the most important things you have to decide when you are working in a movie production, which is how far is it from your house. <laughs> so, for example, we were filming in a hospital. Um, in a nearby island, and I was living in uh, I was living in Queens at the time. No, I was living in Washington Heights at the time. And then I had to travel three hours to get to the movie set. I had to arrive at six in the morning, and then the the day of uh, shooting ended up in at about I don't know two a.m. And then I had to wait, I had to take like four, a four hour uh, trip to my house back. And then I had one day off. So, you know, those are all important decisions, guys. You, you cannot overlook that kind of stuff. That's true. When you're in a city where you have to rely on public transportation, that definitely makes a big difference. And in the movies, I mean, it's a 12 hour day minimum. And if you are PAing or anything, you're usually the first one there in the loft last one to leave so it's a long a long day so yeah the commute definitely makes a big difference wow that's crazy so that was one of the last things that you did um wow the quentin crisp project what a blessing to be able to see that and learn from that and i'm as you've said that was OP, made opt worth it all the while so it sounds like it's something that's carried into your own life and career and how you want to have yourself portrayed as well when you're done that's pretty cool True. So OPT was ending, you decided to go back to Brazil. You weren't really interested in trying to stay. You wanted to go back, right? Um, that's a good question. Um, after you have an international experience as a, as a professional and as a student, I don't know about other people, everybody has their own path, but this notion of getting back or staying it kind of doesn't, it's not important anymore, you know? Uh, so what I wanted is what is the next step career-wise, right? Uh, and after I had all these experiences during the OPT and also at, while I was studying at Falls Hill, uh, I had made decisions related. For example, I want to build a legacy. I want to work in something that um that uh is financially feasible and that is that also provides me this uh this type of quality of life you know i had to make decisions related to quality of life related to finance related to to something that is challenging 
I'm always looking for challenges. And then this opportunity uh, arised in Sao Paulo to work with ANR. So I met uh, I, I I met a person in Sao Paulo that worked with ANR. So they had this company in which we promoted uh, artists in newspapers and magazines. So basically, we helped launch the careers of music artists in Brazil. And that's something that I'm also uh, really grateful for. So I met Eduardo and he had this company and I was able to put artists uh, in uh, Rolling Stone magazine, the major Brazilian newspapers and also international press. Uh, so I spent uh, a year doing that. Um, it was a different time. I'm going to talk about how that changed to later when I decided to, to release my own music uh, pieces. Uh, but at the time, that's something that was really uh, great to do. So, and that's something that, that involves a lot of self-affair, you know? So, for example... An artist presents you their music, right? The artist has their own visual of vis uh, vision of their music. This is how I want to have my music portrayed, right? Uh, this is the cover art of the album. Um, these are the people. This is what they have to say as, as people, right? Flesh and bone people. Uh, and then you have uh, the outlets. You have Rolling Stone, you have newspapers, you have websites, you have press. And then you start to notice what these outlets want to talk about, what these journalists want to talk about. So my job was to make that kind of connection, right? So you have an indie artist, they have these and these and these and that influence, and then I had to to look for Rolling Stone doesn't want to talk about that now. So I have to find another one and then I have to, and that was fascinating. That was just a life change, another life changing experience. Um, and uh, another thing that I got to do in Sao Paulo that was also great was producing parties. Oh, fun. Um, yeah, it, some, during the year of 2015, which was the year that it was in Sao Paulo, um, it was the rise of club kids in Sao Paulo. So club kids and drag queens. So it was really good. I got to produce a lot of parties, help uh, um, Eduardo's company produce those company uh, those parties. Uh, I also got to work as a DJ uh, in all of those parties. We saw the rise of artists like Pablo Vittar, for example. I saw I saw Pablo Vittar right at the beginning of her career doing what she did. Um, so it was really, uh, it was really a great time uh, in 2015. Fun, fun, fun. A&R. Everybody thinks A&R is this glamorous, you know, position. People want you to like them, so everybody's nice to you. Did you find any challenges with A&R? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, everybody's nice to you. That's that's something. I'd like to talk about everybody wants uh, every there is this thing that is not really necessarily a myth but it kind of is of everybody's nice to you or maybe everybody wants to be nice to you and you also be, want to be nice to people 
um, that uh, there is something very cruel about the industry, about the entertainment industry in general, right? Uh, people step on each other. There is this culture of I'm better than you, right? And when you are trying to connect interests, that's pretty much what I did. I'm trying to connect the interest of the artists that want to be seen, and then uh, the interest of the outlet that wants to talk about an interesting artist. Um, it's good to be nice, right? I yeah. like being nice to people. And when you when you when you when you have a nice conversation, a constructive conversation, a productive conversation, an interesting conversation, right? When you get to go to parties and talk to people about interesting subjects, um, it's really good to be nice. I think that being nice is a skill, right? Being nice, like truthfully nice and kind, is a skill that's gonna open doors for you, it's gonna open doors for other people, it's gonna ge generate income for people, uh, it's gonna generate visibility for people. So yeah, I think it really helps to be kind to people and it really helps when people are kind to you. So yeah, pretty much it. But uh, there is a little bit of glamour too, but there's, there's hard work. It's, it's oh, just hard work. For right? sure. You have a very gentle, kind, soothing demeanor, just as it is. So I'm sure that when you're delivering news to an artist that there really is no fit for you right now, or you need to maybe work on this, this, or this, delivering that message, I'm sure you always did it in a way in which they were appreciative and ready to go and be better for a better fit down the road. I'm sure that you probably did it in that way, I would think. That's, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Sandy, because um, I, ha I had many, I mean, many times you have to deliver that piece of news, right? I couldn't find a space for you, right? Um, and, and, uh, there is something uh, there is uh, there is something that many artists uh, talk to me about, which is like, how do I find a place? Who who wants to see what I have to show, right? Or do I have to change anything in what I do so that people notice me, right? And all, those questions have no answer, right? The question, the answers to those questions are always a case by case thing, right? Uh, I had to talk to artists. I had to one piece of news that I had to give to a couple of artists. Wife, were you have to be nicer. You have to treat people better, right? So I had I had situations in which I found I I sold the gig to the artist. The artist went there and they treated everybody like, right? Because they are top of the world, which mm -hmm. is. Nobody is right. I also had to 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 tell artists. I, I'm sorry. I think your work is amazing. I think this is not fair. But I couldn't find a place for you. But I think you should doing 
things exactly how you do it because this is this is what makes you right and as an artist you have to you have to have your feet on the ground right uh, you have to do therapy as an artist right you have to have a really strong sense of of who you are just so that you you have a solid your your spine is solid in a way that you won't feel shaken by everything but at the, at the same time you are able to present yourself and you are able to negotiate you are able to talk to people in a way that that people understand right and that people feel that you are feel that they want to be around you i guess right I don't know. Does it make sense, Ellie? Do you? It does. Yeah. I mean, you have to being nice is a sometimes can be a skill that you need to perfect or get better at. I think sometimes we as human beings have natural reactions to certain things. And when you're trying to impress someone, you know, if if they're giving you feedback on what you need to do to get better, and you're gracious and you accept it and you're nice about it, then down the road, that's going to affect how they look at you the second time. If you're nasty or mean, or, or maybe they decided there was a fit, but then they couldn't get along with you or, or you were tough to be around, then it affects you moving forward. And in the entertainment industry, you know, if you have talent, that's great, but being nice on top of that can really take you far. It really can. In any corporate, that's true. I mean, in, in life in general, being nice and being kind is is golden, I think. True. So there, there is something though. <clears throat> and then when we, for example, when we think of one thing that when you think of an artist, especially solo artists, there is the artist, the, the person, and there is the persona. And there are many personas that are built uh, in a way that they are not nice. And that's part of the persona, right? Yeah. And that's something that gets a lot of people's attention. Like, oh, that guy is such a, you know, I'm not going to use the word. <laughs> but people like him for that. People admire him for that. So that's also a tricky, tricky, uh, there, there's a, that's a gray area right there so you build a persona you're on being tough and mean um but you have to be professional at least right um, sure. being professional right reading the contracts uh, and, and following the contracts and so on and that's true for students you know as a student a lot of times you know, I'll talk to students who say, I don't like this class, or I don't think the teacher's doing a good job, or I don't like the way the teacher does this, or it's hard or whatever, but you have to look at your time <clears throat> in school as preparation for your career. And there are always going to be jobs and projects you work on where there's someone that you don't agree with, there's someone that you don't like the way they do things and you have to deal with it. So you just have to learn to get along with people and do what you have to do. So you have to take that same approach in school with your classmates and your teachers. Do you agree? I do. Oh, okay. I do. Yeah. I was very lucky in that sense, Sandy, because 
I can't think of one teacher that presented a challenge in that sense, you know, like, oh, that person is difficult. I cannot say that about my course directors. That's great. Um, but if you find a person like that, and I, I think that especially, especially when you're dealing with a subject that is really technical, right? If you're talking about development, for example, coding or about uh, game art, there are so, so many technical aspects of what you're doing. For example, in my case, one of the, one of the two of the, 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 the subjects that I, I was looking forward the most because those are the ones that I had mo mo the most difficulty with were law and finance. And I was really lucky to have amazing teachers and uh, amazing course directors and people that were really personable. Um, but I would totally understand if it, that were, weren't the case because they were dealing about technicalities. And when you're dealing with technicalities, it's really easy for you not to have a lot of patience with people. It's really easy, right? Yes. I don't know if I'm being too harsh when I put it like that, but it's easy, you know? And then you have to listen. And then listening is gonna take you, is gonna take you forward. Right? Does it make sense? It does. When you're dealing with something technical like code or programming logic when it comes to that developing a game or even you know a security system or anything like that it's different because there's one answer it's logic so there's one correct answer you know so you have to understand that there's one answer and that's that's what you have to get and if you don't get it you're wrong whereas in a creative degree where you have a teacher that's grading something that you've whether it's composition or an art project you know there's always that um subjectivity i guess when a teacher is giving you feedback you may be able to say well that's just their preference or their style is different than mine it's it's very different so logic and art and creative is you know yeah i get it it makes sense okay so you're doing a and r you're finishing that and then what happened after that How, what got you to portugal which is where you are now in lisbon tell us about your career path from a and r True. Um, so after after I, I spent uh, 2015 working with ANR, um, my father passed away. So I spent I spent uh, some time uh, going back to my hometown. It was a very sensitive moment. Um, and but uh, I I found uh, really uh, great opportunities there to working with art management, uh, working with a friend uh, called Rafaela. She has a company and she manages, uh, she produces exhibits in museums, oh, wow. in top-notch museums. Uh, and that was great because I got to work uh, as her assistant pretty much. Um, and then I, I did just a variety of things. And this is one of the things that I like, like the most about working with entertainment because I could uh, help her uh, make plans about where to put this picture or that picture in the exhibit, what to do with the sculpture, how to portray it better. Uh, I got to um, uh, do 3D models of spaces for exhibits. Um, and I also learned uh, that also helped me do my first 
exhibit as a solo artist. So that's something I also did in the meantime uh, with my project, my Romano. Um, so that was really good. And then I got, what did I do after that? So many things I did. Yeah, and then I, then I, I, I had an opportunity uh, and then I started working with my own material. Yes, that's when I started working with my own material as a performer. And one of the things that I realized from the beginning when I was studying at Full Sail is that um, working with other people, uh, providing assets for other people or other companies was a way of uh, guaranteeing my livelihood. Working as an artist myself, like putting my face there, putting my name there, was something that I wanted to treat very carefully. So after all these opportunities, I continued working as a freelancer, providing visuals, providing music, uh, I am the I am a resident composer of a fashion house in my hometown. Uh, so I, I, I continue doing a lot of that. I also work with localization, which is uh, where most of my income comes from. So I help content work in different countries. But when I decided to work with my own material, I wanted to be very careful with that because, as I said, I had a notion of to leave a legacy. I had a notion of where to put my face on. Do I want to connect my face with this subject or not? Do I want to connect my music with that or not? How many haters is that going to get me? You know? Um, and I have answered emails. I had received, not answered, but I have received emails from haters. I had received comments from haters because once you put your work there, um, it's going to leave an impression, right? And then I decided that I did not want to make my livelihood depend on my work as an artist. So my income matrix uh, uh, comes from working as a freelancer, producing art uh, assets for other projects. Uh, and then I wanted to, to uh, start developing my name as an artist, as a stage performer and a music artist uh, in a more professional way, but in a really careful way. So re I really do that step by step. Um, did I answer your question? Um, you did, yeah. Now, talking about your performance, just for a little bit, as an artist, mm -hmm. I know that when we share your uh, contact, your links and things at the end, one of them is to the YouTube where your uh, a lot of your work is as a, the music that you've created. Is that your stage name, Nitomano? Yes, okay. Nitomano is my stage name. Nitomano. Sorry, it's very me. catchy. No, it's very catchy. I love it. Yes, we're gonna post it's... that. It's uh, so Miramano is uh, in Portuguese, it means uh, compulsive liar in a way. Oh, it's yeah. actually um, it's a diagnosed uh, condition 
it's a mental men, kind of a mental health condition uh, when you're mythomaniac. The word exists in English too, right? So, uh, and I wanted to use that as a persona to kind of create my David Lynch-ish way of doing things. Uh, I was always very drawn to uh, pop as a way of making music. I like the way of writing music that lasts three minutes and is catchy and is danceable and is uh, singable and uh, you remember the lyrics and you do uh, you create music videos and so on and then when you put that on a stage people dance to it people sing to it people look at the visuals and they are you know i like that kind of um, bubblegumish way of doing things but i also uh, uh, always loved the abstract side of things so i, I like david lynch i like marina, marina bramovich um and uh so i wanted to do that and i wanted to do that in a careful way and uh before full sale i had i had the chance of starting that project already so i guess my domain exists since 2007 more or less which is when i started doing my first performances uh then in 2011 i was able to do uh to tour internationally with that. Uh, I did that over Latin America and the United States and in Brazil. Um, and at the time, I, uh, I did that in a, in a very, how can I say, I wanted to test how far I wanted to go, right? So, uh, and I did it. I really, I, I really did a lot of things that I think People only do when they are in their 20s, for example. I'm 40, almost 45 right now. But at the time, I really, um, I really tried to test my limits as a performer uh, in a way that, for example, I had my songs, but I also did gigs in which I didn't sing songs and I just performed uh, improvisational sets like... Uh, jumping from the stage and faking a heart attack. Or, I really wanted to go crazy when I was on stage at the time. So it. things that like, for example, uh, if we if we think of Adult Swim, for example, right? Adult Swim, Eric Andre, uh, those kind of people, right? Uh, Gigi Allen. Uh, so I, I, I did that kind of stuff, right? Let's see what happens if what's not supposed to happen happens uh so that was really good right and one thing that i was really careful from the beginning was i wanted to document everything so i mean all my performances are filmed all my performances have been recorded i have all the posters i my name has been uh i have the trademark so that's something that i already had I really took care of that before going to full sale. But after I went to full sale, that's a moment that helped me take some time from that, focusing on working in entertainment uh, and making that a livelihood by not learning how to 
provide assets for other companies so I could trust, I could, I could pay my bills by doing that. And I didn't have to rely on my persona as an artist to pay my bills. Because so, one thing that I see, yeah, no, because one, it's one, one thing that I see uh, in, 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 in the journey of an artist is like, no, I'm gonna go full, full throttle and, and that's fine. And you wanna you know, jump from, jump from, you know, from the trampoline and go full, you know, live the dream. And people wanna do that and that's cool. But on your way to actually, uh, between the, the, the moment you make that decision and the moment that you actually start paying your, your bills with your royalties or your streaming income on the money that you make on gigs, there is not a step-by-step -step, uh, process to that. There is not a recipe for that. And you can either go up or you can go down in a way that you can't go up anymore. And when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about financially, I'm talking about that legally, I'm talking about that mental health-wise. I mean, look, Britney Spears, for example, right? Britney Spears is one of those examples, right? From the beginning, as a child, she was able to pay her bills in the industry, but uh, but now she's she's finally able to talk about her side of the story. How was it for her to do that from the beginning, not having time to breathe, you know? Uh, so my persona as an artist is something that I'm really careful with. When I when I had uh, emails from haters, when I had comments from haters in my videos. I want to take time to look at that, and how do I want? How do I want to deal with that? Am I going to ignore it? Is that something I should take legal action or not? You know, uh, another thing: every contract that I sign, I want to read the contracts. I want to read the contract with my distribution company, the distribution company that puts my music on Spotify. I want to read the, the contracts for the gigs. I want to read the contracts for merch. I want to read it myself, right? Um, I might want to decide in the future to work with an agent. And I have worked with agents before, but I have always read stuff. And that is something that takes time. That is something that requires attention. That is something that requires your finance. You know, you have to, the money that you don't make working three days reading a contract before you sign it is three days that you don't work for other people making money. You know? So there are all these mini decisions that I decided that, no, I want to make my livelihood on this. And then my, my, my place as a performance artist is is another thing that's my that's my jewel that's my pearl and i want to take care of that and and then uh visibility for example when you think of visibility you have to be careful when you think of 
how you want to build your visibility, right? Do you want to build your visibility on controversial subjects or not? Do you want to build your visibility on um, TikTok dances? Then you're going to do that, but that's your decision, right? Do you want to build your visibility connecting yourself with these? These are that people, uh, that person, so on and so on. Yeah. I don't know, did I answer your question, Sandy? Yeah, you did, yes. I know a lot of what you're doing now, and you said that creating content is a big part of what you're doing, assets for others. Um, an entertainment master's, entertainment business master's degree, you're learning all the different aspects of the different areas of entertainment. Let's talk just a little bit about client relations. How do you build your clientele and what is the secret to, to getting clients to work for and keeping them? Um, keeping clients, that's a reputation, right? That's providing a good, uh, providing good work, quality work, um, having a transparent relationship with them. Right? Uh, word of mouth, right? I think that's pretty much it. I, I think that's something that uh, I think that's that's a simple equation. You provide good quality work. You you have to understand the client's needs. You have to understand what what they want to do with what you're doing. Uh, like two different examples, for example, if I'm doing a localization project for a luxury company, I need to know what is the market, what is the local market, what do they want to do. Uh, what do they want to achieve? And I have to follow their rules. I have to to check their brand uh, their brand rules. I have to be very be very strict to that, right? Companies are companies. They want to be portrayed in a certain way, so we have to follow that. Right? Another example is uh, the fashion house. Um, the fashion house that I am a resident musician. They give me total freedom. Now, because I've been working with them for 15 years, yeah. um, and they are very artsy. They want to they want to go places where people haven't had the courage to go. So they just give me freedom. They know they know I know their stuff, and and that's it, right? Of course, they have to uh, they have to approve what I do. Uh, and that is different from a localization project. For example, localization project is localization. It's technical. It has to work. You have the guidelines. Ah, that's it. Now, creating a composition and producing music for a fashion show that's highly conceptual, you're going to put a piece of your soul as a composer. But in the end, it is the fashion designer's brand. If I spend five hours or five days or five weeks working on music that they don't like, they don't like it. You gotta start and over. You have to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that must be tough. <clears throat> do you, when you're trying to create music for a designer and his fashion show, gosh, I mean, what would you use for inspiration? Does it ever go by maybe like a theme of the clothing line or did they tell you kind of what they're looking for? Uh, yeah, 
I one thing that I'm really careful with is I need specific. I need I need them to be specific. Yeah. And the, this is something you should be when you provide assets. You need the client to be specific, because, um, for example, in a fashion show you have something that lasts I don't know twenty minutes. <clears throat> they have this amount of looks. You need to know uh, what's going to happen in 5.33, 5 minutes and 33 seconds. Uh, this model is going to enter the runway, holding a baby, doing something. That's a cue for something to happen in the music. Good. So I need them to give those specific cues. I need, I need them to tell me what they want to happen in the music. I need references, right? Uh, does is it is it jazz? Is it, uh, it? Do you need a beat? Do you not need a beat? Or can I choose to put a beat on it or not? Um, is it is it uplifting? Is it thought provoking? Do you? Um, so I've had I have did I've had different even inside the same client you have just different things, right? Uh, but but you have you need the client to be specific and you have to know how to ask questions right yeah. you need to know how to ask the right questions but you need to know how to create a relationship with this client so you need to know for example this client um, and I recommend everybody to to get to know them there uh, it's age dash al age dash al they uh, they provide highly conceptual fashion and every Every uh, every every show is different. So they they they've had uh, short shows in which everything was very contained, and and they wanted it to be pleasant and nice, and they wanted people to feel welcome, and then they had shows in which they want people to feel scared. They wanted sounds of screams. They wanted the sounds of this and like ah, so. Ah. I know that we have some questions from those who are here with us today and other questions that were given when they registered. So, but before we do that, I have a question that I want to ask you. You had mentioned previously talking about what you're looking for in a job. And one of the things that you wanted was to constantly be challenged. So you've been doing what you're doing now for several years. I know you're doing a lot of different things, but do you feel like you're at a point where you might want something else to feel more challenged. And then another part of that same question is, do you feel what you're doing is causing you to grow as a, an artist and a creator in the industry? Um, yes, maybe in a way that, um, I hear maybe in maybe in a way that wouldn't make sense to a lot of people in the industry, because what I see from many people in the industry, and that includes coworkers, that include uh, classmates, that include uh, that includes people that are seeing the industry in general, especially artists. I see uh, people trying to follow one specific path, right? because they have that passion and that's fine. 
but from the beginning, I realized that I wanted to do multiple things, and that's my brain, how my brain works. Uh, um, the way my brain works is if I if I if I want to do music, good. I realized I wanted to do music, so I went there and I studied this course and I did this course and I did this certification and this and this and this and this and this. That um, and I usually I, I am usually able to do that in a short amount of time. So good, I did that. And that's all. So now I'm gonna I'm gonna start working with that. I noticed that the clients are pleased, and then I'm gonna do that. When I started working with performance, I did the same thing. I started studying and doing that, and working with people and talking to people that do that. And then, it, okay, now I am a, I'm a, I am a performer. I, I am officially a performer. I wanted to write, and then I did this. I wanted to do localization. I studied and I did that, and I started working with clients that do that. Um, so uh, from the beginning, what I what I'm trying to say by that is, from the beginning, I was lucky to realize that I wanted to set up um, a, a variety of tentacles that uh, I always feel challenged by that. So if I'm if at the moment I don't feel challenged as a performance performance artist, as a performing as a performance artist and a performing artist, good. I'm gonna take a break from that and I'm gonna focus on music. This is what I'm doing. I'm gonna do now. So I'm gonna follow that path and then. At the moment that starts feeling boring, I'm gonna do a little stuff. The same thing with the things that provide my livelihood. Vocalization has been very taxing, let's say. I'm not saying that's that's what happening, that's what's happening, but if localization is feeling very, very taxing, or if I notice that people are using AI to do that, okay, so I have other ways to sustain myself. Um so that's why my career always feels challenging because I'm always I always have that. Oh, good. So how how is it gonna be next year? Oh, so probably. Uh, for example, one of the things that I did a lot was translation of advertising advertising materials for entertainment. I see a lot of people doing that with AI now. Ah. So that's not that's not something. That provides a lot of that doesn't pay my bills. Good. So I'm going to do something else that I'm able to do that people are not using AI with. Good. So that's challenging. You know? um, and then something that I can do. Um, so yeah, so that's pretty much it. Yeah. Okay. I know one of the questions that was sent in had to do with AI and how you feel it will change the industry. It sounds like it's already changed your industry as far as taking away something that you used to do and get paid for. And now people don't need that service anymore. Are there any other AI examples of things that kind of change what you're doing, whether it's producing or just in content creation in general? It's a wild animal. And we are just starting to get to know what it really is, what we want to do with it. Uh, and you can take it both in a way that it's, it's taking it's killing jobs because it is, right? Let's be real about it. And it will continue to do so. Uh, especially when we start thinking of brain implants and all that stuff that is already around the corner, right? Also. Um, 
so it's it's changing music. I, I don't think we have to go that 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 far. Like when you go to a supermarket, um, there is uh, people are creating. Uh, for example, you go to a supermarket. There is music playing inside the supermarket. There is royalty to be paid for that music that is in the supermarket. So there are companies that now make uh, algorithmically. They make music that sounds like pop music that can be played at supermarkets and that you have to don't have to pay royalties to artists because that's AI music. That's a business, right? Um, so you can see that on that side. You can see also AI taking jobs off of translators, of translators, and so on. But you can also see that as a creative tool. Right. For example, when you see like movies, like the Barbie movie promoting uh, the marketing team of Barbie movie promoting itself with create your own Barbie meme, right? That's amazing. You put your photo, you upload your photo, it creates you, right? Um, so, you know, it's, I think that the last thing that we want to do now is be afraid of it because it's going to take us nowhere. It is here. It can't be stopped. Uh, and I've, I'm afraid to say that, but I see that governments are trying to regulate it, but it's always going to be one step bad. I don't know how that's uh, Right? It, because it is, right? It takes ages for governments to regulate anything. And AI is just a think of a brain that doesn't depend on emotions. You know, it's not afraid of doing anything. It just does it. It's math, right? So um, you can take it in both ways. So. All right, we have about here. 12 minutes left. So Justin, I'm gonna turn it over to you and I'll have you ask the questions that were asked in the chat first and then pick a couple of the registration ones that you feel are relevant to what we're talking about. Okay, um, I'll start with a question from Hugo. Um, I'm gonna read it. So Hugo asked, uh, did you feel like there was a big gap between what you were able to do after studying at Full Sail and what you were asked to do at your first production role? If, like if there was a gap between what, what I was seeing as a content in the course and what I had to do, what I was asked for, asked right. of? Yes. Um, no, not really. Not really. Um, because, uh, because uh, and that's one of the things that made me decide for full sale is because it's real world, right? It's real world. The, the, the course is uh, constantly being uh, redesigned reflect what is happening so in 2012 the experience that i have while i was studying is was that what i did for example the the things that my course director asked me to be careful about when reading contracts were the things that i had to be careful about related to project management was also really uh, something that I had I was able to use leadership was able to use so I don't think there was a big gap um, no I don't think so and also <clears throat> many of the course directors are industry professionals right 
So, no, I don't think so. Okay, thank you. Um, I have another question from. Oh, I, I hope I'm saying this right. It's a little, a little bit hard. It's a hola hola oloa. The question um question for you is what kind of jobs can I expect to get with an entertainment business masters? I, I'm gonna sound cheesy on this one, but I think you have to think outside of the box of jobs. Um course if you have a clear path of what you want to do and you want to do that for example you want to do a production movie production then you're talking about finding jobs right if you want to do art direction then you're talking about finding jobs if you want to be a manager then you're going to a gray area because you can either find a job at caa or you or william morris or you can Start looking for artists that you want to represent and create your own business, right? Uh, but the variety is infinite. And, and this is one of the most dynamic industries. So things are being created. Things to do are being created, right? As I said, in, as I mentioned in the beginning, when I was offered an internship, when I was in the middle of my course, the first thing that came to my head is, Please let me be a wild animal inside of your company because I don't know what I want to do, right? I, I, I mean, I want, I know that I want to provide creative input, but I don't want you to put me inside a box here, please. Is that okay? Do you, I'm not going to hurt you, but I'm not, I, want, I want to be free here during the time that I'm here. So, yeah, if, if you have a clear path, uh, then, then go and find a job. But... I think that my advice is use your time at full sale to explore explore the possibilities, you know. For example, one thing that I did that led me to my first internship was uh, there is something that happens every year in the game industry that is the, uh, the, hackathons, the hackathons. So every year there is this global event in which people uh, get together and they create a game in 24 hours. And Falseo always takes always takes part in that. And so what I did is during those 24 hours, I was there with the game game people and we created games together. And then I saw, well, there is a place for me providing assets for games. Good. Check. That's something I can do to pay my bills in the future, you know? Um but but I think that it I think that it's a bit dangerous to think of finding a job in the traditional way that we think of jobs when you when it comes to the the entertainment industry because uh, as I mentioned it deals with the art world and when you deal with the art world you are you are tapping into a realm that goes beyond nine to five so. Uh, I hope I answered your question, but but that's the advice that I have on that. Um, I do see another question from uh, Tasia, and you've kind of answered it a little bit, but uh, you know, I wanted to know if you can add more. Um, but Tasia asked, uh, what kind of entrepreneurship advice can you offer in your industry? Put your feet on the ground. Entrepreneurial advice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Make sure you have your feet well rooted 
on the ground because being an entrepreneurial is of course it's about having ideas and having the next big thing no it is about that but in the end you have to pay the bills it's a company you have legal obligations you have government obligations depending on where you're establishing yourself at there's a lot of papers you have to read there's a lot of papers you have to sign there's a lot of clauses there's a lot of and in the states for example every state works in a different way if you're in california if you're in new york if you're in florida everything is different sometimes each county has a different way of dealing with things you know so so yeah focus on the fact that you have to be very practical okay um we have a few more questions but um sandy wanted to check if we Mm -hmm. um, I say we're five minutes on, so. I know, we are at 25 past. I have a quick story I'd like to tell please, you. Please tell a story. Because you asked me later about, there are two questions that, that were asked here. One about the gap between what's taught and what's demanded of you. And one about, uh, uh, you told me about like course directors telling you no, right? I had an amazing experience with Nick Carver, who was my project management uh, course director in a master's. And um, uh, I, uh, at the time, I was applying for a position at Cirque du Soleil as a performer. Uh, and then I had a lot of conversations with Nick. And then Nick, uh, every time he was, uh, Nick asked me, what do you want to do as a performer? And I was like, oh, oh, because I want to do this. And I said, this is fluff, Caesar. This is fluff. What do you want to do? I was like, no, I want to do this. Cut it, cut it out. This is fluff. I don't want to hear that. Give me, give me that in one sentence. And then he started coaching me that. You know, he started helping me as an artist to try to put all that magical world into like a pitch, you know? And he actually trained me during a session in which I was recording my video audition. And he, he interrupted me many times because I was like, no, I'm answering this question. That is, when you have to do the audition, you have to answer a lot of questions. And then he said, and then I started answering the questions. Like Cesar, I don't want to hear that. And then, so, you know, that's one of the, the things that, uh, so talk to your cost directors and, you know, be with them because they have a lot to, to teach you outside of the class. All right, absolutely. Um, so we're gonna end it here. I know that there is a question from uh, Ohm and I'm gonna reach out separately because it's really more about career development, more so than our guest, uh, Cesar. So we will go ahead and stop here. And I want to thank everyone who's joined us. And I also want to um, definitely hope that you'll all, if you're still looking at Full Sail and trying to decide if this is the school for you, I hope that what you've heard tonight 
has helped you get closer to that decision that this could be the school for you to help you make your dreams come true. And Cesar, I want to thank you for being so generous with your time and talking with us tonight with the time difference and anything. So we certainly appreciate you being here. Thank you, Sandy. Thanks for having me. It's always great to have you guys around. Uh, guys, don't forget to check uh, our almost weekly uh, live sessions of 30 minutes uh, with Foseo. There is a, I have a live session with Foseo almost every week in which we talk about artists and uh, companies and initiatives in the entertainment world that change the world. Um, we're going to talk about digital influencers next week. So uh, I don't know if uh, Justin, yeah, Justin just pasted the link here so you can follow us. It's in Portuguese, but uh, YouTube does a pretty good job in translating um, uh, subtitles. So just go ahead, right, and, and follow us there. Perfect. And Matthew has posted the link. Um, so you've got a minute or so to grab that link now and fill out your oh. GPS. And also follow my, follow my, follow the, follow me on uh, Instagram. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, let me give you my, both of my, can I post both of my? Please do, for sure. Things here. This is my website as an asset provider. And this is my, this is the website of my uh, stage uh, persona. Very good. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks again. We will end now. And I wish everyone a great remaining evening and hope to see you on campus. And Cesar, again, thank you. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. All right. Bye, everyone.